Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey, Peace, peace, you know what it is, Shamir, S-K-Y-Z-O-O, Skazu, live out the borough, and this is the NBA Exchange with my man Dexter Henry, you know how you doing it, man, log on, tap in, let's get into it. What's good, everybody? Welcome to the NBA Exchange. I am your host, Dexter Henry. Hope you are having yourself a wonderful Wednesday. Uh, it's a tough Wednesday for, I think, a lot of people across this country, the United States, that we're talking about with the events that recently have gone on, not just even recently in the last 24 hours, with the Uvalde shooting and murdering of kids and teachers down there in Texas, but also in the last 10 to 14 days with all the black people that were killed in Buffalo. And, you know, we talk a lot of basketball on this, but we also know that real life is impacted. There's a lot that goes on, especially if you're a person that cares about people. If you're a parent, probably was a tough morning for you this morning, taking your kids to school. I know it was for me. So, you know, that's it. My man who joins me on the show, Gerard Hector, he was kind enough this morning, checked on myself and Jamal Murphy, both of who were parents, and asked us how we were doing about that. And Gerard, as you know, every Wednesday joins me now for NBA with Nuance here. Um, Gerard, how are you doing, man? I'm doing all right, man. And I'm glad you and Merv are doing well. I touched, I reached out to some of my other, my other parents, uh, my other parents, my other friends who are parents to see how they're doing. You know, I, I don't have children, but I, I you know, I'm not unlike anybody else, you know, I felt some kind of way um, over the past 24 hours when we heard the news break down of what was going on down in Texas. And I know it had to be rough for y'all this morning, taking your kids to school, because if there's one place you should, you know, look, as a parent, I realize that every day you worry about your child because that's just the nature of being a parent. But if there is one place for a few hours that you got to feel like, not that you can forget, but you feel a little bit comfortable, it's when you take them to school, right? That is the place where you're like, all right, like they're going to school, they're going to learn, this should mm-hmm. be fine. And that's just not the case. And, you know, we talk about no hot takes on the shows and we're not hot take artists here, you know. But we need to have uh, better gun laws in this country. H.R. 8 has been sitting uh, with the, it's been passed by the House for two years now. Senate, what, what y'all waiting on? Let, let's let's get this. Let's get this thing happening here. It is way too easy to get a gun in this country. Too easy. Right. When you have the basic needs of people not being met across this country, yet you can get a, your hands on a gun. What, what, what are we doing? We're the only developed nation in the world that has this kind of problem. All right. And. What's the what's the what's the biggest difference between this nation and only the developed nations? Gun laws, right? So the idea that people say that gun laws don't work, not true. We have countless evidence everywhere else that it works. It's only here with the, with the lack of gun laws that we have mass shootings. I think I saw this the other day, Dexter. Uh, today is like the 145th or 146th day of the year, somewhere along those lines. But we've had 212 mass shootings already. That is more than one a day. 
Like what, what, what are we doing? Literally, what are we doing? Yeah, it's, it's ridiculous. I, I read a stat and I shared this with you earlier. Uh, United States makes a 4.4% of the world's population. Okay. Yet of all the people who own guns, 42% of them of the guns owned are from the United States. That is ridiculous. We are a gun-loving culture. And I mean those of y'all who love guns and who have to own guns. Uh, and, and there's people who own guns and believe that there should be gun control. There are some of them. But you know what? The uh, vast majority uh, of people is, you know, they just don't care. Absolutely at all whatsoever. And, you know, Steve Kerr spoke about this last night. Uh, Steve, Steve Kurt spoke about this and I, this is why I wanted to open the show with it I was so which, we're not, we shouldn't be shocked about this with Steve Kerr um, this is what he's done in speaking about this but he spoke very candidly about the Evalde shooting and did what Gerard just did here which was urge the senators, the lawmakers to do something, this bill that's been sitting there and people won't do anything and it's just ridiculous and I applaud Steve Kerr, we shouldn't have to shouldn't have to applaud Steve Kerr for this. The fact that I have to do that is kind of ridiculous in a way. Um, what did you make of Kerr's comments and what he said and the fact that he didn't talk about basketball at all before last night's game four between the Mavericks and the Warriors? What did you make of those comments, Gerard? I mean, they're in line with who Steve Kerr is. Steve Kerr has always been outspoken about these types of issues, uh, particularly gun violence. Steve Kerr um, is what you would what you would call, um, not what you would call is, um, not directly, but he's an indirect victim of gun violence. His father, Malcolm Kerr, was an academic and a, um, a political scientist who was killed by by gunmen um, and when he was the president of the American University in Beirut, right? So gun violence is very, something that speaks very, it's personal for him, right? He understands this in a way that many people don't. I believe he was at Arizona in college at the time when it happened. If not, then he was like was sometime in high school. But, you know, he was a fully functioning human when when his father was killed. So, you know, this is this is problematic. And I thought Kerr was dead on. And again, the fact that he went directly at the, the people who are at fault here. And it is, in fact, the 50 Republican United States senators. Right. Mitch McConnell, their leader and the other the, all 50 of them for not supporting the HRA bill, right? And it's because we know why the NRA floods all their campaigns with super, with super duper dollars in terms of their reelection and all that. And you even see it on the Democratic side, you know, why they push for certain candidates who are more pro-gun, more, you know, uh, pro-life, etc. cetera. Uh, and you, you do a little bit of digging and you realize, oh, well, you support these people because, you know, they fit within your establishment within the corporate the corporate interests and it's just all you know dexter we're at a point now where not now it's been on for a while politicians do not care about the people that they are supposed to represent they don't they do not care about the needs of the people their sole mission is to keep and consolidate their power mm-hmm. i get elected i am holding on to that seat till the day i die right and i'm going to enrich myself and, you know, maybe my immediate family, people who live directly in my household might get some benefit. But it's really about me and myself and and me and myself getting enriched. And that's what I'm going to do. And if that comes to the expense of others, oh, well, that's, you know, that's that's the cost of doing business. Yeah. And I think that's uh, no well said there. And I think that's the problem. And and that's what's so frustrating with this right now is that 
you know, clearly is people, people don't care. Clear, that, that's clearly what we're seeing, that people don't care about other people. And when you got people on certain outlets talking about gun laws don't work, and like Gerard said, there was clear example. You can look at England, you can look at Scotland, you can look at Australia, where these the guns have been eradicated, and this has worked, right? There is no need for anybody to be purchasing an AR-15 or an AK-47. What do you need that for? For what? Right. I'm not saying people can't if they want to go to a range or they want to shoot shoot guns. And even that, I'm always like, why? Right. But if you do, cool. But that can be done in a controlled environment for people to actually own this and purchase and do this stuff. The last thing I'll say on this, too, is that that you'll get push on. And I think where you see the outrage from Kerr yesterday, because it's so personal, as Gerard mentioned, we there's a lot of people that are going to come back and have this conversation and say, well, it's my constitutional right and the Second Amendment and all this stuff, right? People, we can we just draw and I talk about this all the time on the show. We can evolve with things. The game of basketball evolves. Countries and laws can evolve. When that was written, like the Constitution itself in this country, despite its flaws and lies in it and stuff too about all men created equal and all that stuff that is not held up. It was meant to be a, a living document in sort of a way, but people have not upheld that, right? For, for greed and personal gain and all this stuff. What was written there for the Second Amendment can also evolve, people. This I mean, can also change. I mean, Dexter, not supposed to be, is a living document. It is That's the actuality of it. This document was written at a time when two men, let's say you and I, had some dispute, Dexter. Right. If it wasn't resolved to a satisfactory method, uh, 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 a satisfactory way, we would duel with pistols mm-hmm. to solve. Like, what? What are we talking about? Like this is that is not a way to handle a dispute. We we have moved a long way away from that. And so, just so that constitutional right to bear arms, yeah, we don't need to do that anymore. That's not a thing, right? And if we eliminate that, guess what? We'll also eliminate mass shootings. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, such such a novel concept, right, in, in a way that we just can't do. And it's just like, if you're not for that, then, it, you know, it's I've learned as I've gotten older, you got to draw the line of some things. And some people may not like that we started the show with this. But if you're not for that, then you're not for the people. It's really simple for that for me. And when you hear Steve Kerr's message last night and you hear what he's pleading about as something that's so personal for him, he's about this is what's best for the people. Man, forget your your party lines and forget all that. Either you care about the health and safety of people or you don't, right? And if you are not for gun control, then you don't care. Like yeah. that's that's all. You you just simply do not care. Now, what I do wonder, Gerard, and I'm gonna leave it on this. I and I said this a little bit in our group chat. You see, we talk about the politicians and what they have to do, but I wonder, had this come to the politicians' doorstep? If January 6th had went wrong, mm-hmm. really mm-hmm. bad the other way, would then people want to then be inspired to change and make laws that came because it directly affected them? It's all easy to sit back and say this stuff when it doesn't directly affect you. But if you care about people, then you can care about stuff that doesn't directly affect you. Yeah, I think you're right on there. And the last thing I'll say is this to follow up on that point. We see how quick Congress and the Senate can enact laws and legislation. Mm-hmm. When there was the hint, slightest hint of threat, and when I say threat, it wasn't even a threat. That's the wrong word. Mild protests near the Supreme Court justice's home over the overturning of Roe v. Wade. 
legislation went into effect literally within 24 hours. So, I mean, I, I, I just don't know. Like, I, I this is, I, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Man, I don't know. I don't know. But the way we do it is not the way. All right, we, we will actually talk some basketball. Last night, the Mavericks, they actually avoided elimination. I was going to say eliminate. They were looking at elimination. And, boy, Gerard, the Mavericks were hitting everything mm-hmm. uh, in this game. But then it did get a little scary late. We'll get to that in a in a second. Um what did you take, think of the Mavericks here? They finally get a game. I think you and I would agree they have not figured out the Warriors, right. but they looked really good here. What did you think of the Mavericks' performance here in game four, staving off elimination? I mean, it, it's, it's a math situation, right? I mean, so in a game where you have, I don't know, 90-something-odd possessions or so, and if the Mavericks hit 23s, that's 60 points on right on, on on those on out of those possessions 60 points on and there were 20 of 40 something i want to say right mm-hmm. so on, on on about half the possessions you scored 60 points well it's going to be hard to overcome that kind of math right and that's literally what happened they were they were making their threes and in a game where they hit 20 plus threes and their score it's going to be hard to beat them unless you two are doing the same thing right and so that was a big part of it kudos to the mavericks for you know not laying down, right, and coming out fighting. And, you know, we'll see what, what game uh, game five brings. Uh, but, you know, again, I, I was impressed by their, by their fight. But, again, it's simply it's, they were getting the same looks they were getting all series. They just happened to go down tonight, right? And, you know, we say make or miss league. Well, <laughs> and sometimes that's the reality of it, right? Like the, the three-point shot is such a high-variant shot that when it is going in and you are making them at that clip, it's really tough to 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 beat a team when they're doing that. Yeah, definitely is. And they were they were making it. and look, Dorian Finney Smith, Reggie Bullock, they got the same great looks, like you said. They got those looks in game three and they didn't fall. Game four, they fell, and that was that. And on Mavericks were up by as much as 27 in this contest. But this will kind of tie into what we're going to talk a lot about today, which is the Warriors. But the comeback by the Warriors bench. Now, I was watching this, Gerard, and something told me. Yo, don't turn this off. I, I watched the first couple of minutes of the fourth quarter, and I was like, oh, this Golden State bench has something. They're, they're moving the ball really well. And they got the lead all the way down to eight. And kudos to Steve Kerr. He rode with Kaminga, Moody, Damian Lee. Uh, who else was out there? Bealisa mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. and Jordan Poole. Mm-hmm. Those were the five out there. And he rode with those dudes. And they were actually playing really good basketball. The same cutting, the same movement that you see with the Warriors starting five or their regular starting eight, nine-man rotation, you saw this. And I was very impressed with the comeback. Now, they didn't come back all the way, and they lost, Gerard, but I was very impressed with what we saw from them. Uh, What do you think about their comeback just to even make it close and show that fight by that Warriors bench? Some of the guys who don't even play in the series. You know, um, we talked about this before on one of our shows, the importance of or or the idea that coaches limit their, their, their benches in the postseason, right? They cut a maybe a 10, 11 man rotation down to seven or eight, right? And so, what you had in the game, Dexter, were a lot of players who, as you said, hadn't played much in this series. What does that mean? We're at the conference finals round by now. Young, fresh legs, okay? Now, they know how the Warriors play and play within their system. So, they were doing the same stuff the other guys do, but they were just fresher and cutting faster and harder and sometimes executing with more physicality and force and faster and better is really all you need to do to score points, right? And so this is what happened. 
And I thought it was an excellent uh, job by Kerr because whether or not, I mean, at, first of all, I, I don't think Dallas is going to come back in this series. But what this is for those young guys, Kaminga, Moody, Poole, although Poole's been getting a ton of playing time, et cetera, these are all reference points for them. So that as the Warriors try to continue and prolong this dynasty, because that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to win now, but also keep winning in the future, which is the very hardest thing to do in sports. They figure, hey, this is a reference point for Jonathan Kaminga, Moses Moody, uh, uh, Bell, like, right? Um, the, the Lee, excuse me. These are reference points for these guys so that, oh, we know how to do this. We've been in a, a conference finals game before. We chopped a 20-something point lead all the way down to eight, right? Like, all reference points for these guys, and I think it was an excellent, excellent play uh, job by Kerr to uh, let his bench guys, you know, carry carry the way in there in that fourth quarter. Yeah, and I think what we saw in that too was a lot of the what we're going to also talk about here with the Warriors' offense that I think you and I have been so impressed with is the, the not just the brilliance of it, but the adaptability of, of of it in there. Right, like this is where people are really learning the system. We throw around the word culture a lot of times. But I think a lot of that what means is teams identifying the guys that can work in their system and then those guys being able to be adaptable on that. When you watch that last night, it looked just like the same Warriors offense. It was beautiful motion, a lot of back cuts, Bielisa f- functioning well as a passer, finding guys, cutting, and you could see that confidence growing. So when you even say it's a reference point, yes, that's huge. They they got minutes. They have to throw Luka back in against them. And mm-hmm. then they went to a 3-2 zone mm-hmm. that they were playing there. And so it was very interesting. How good is this? I think it's a little unappreciated too. How good is this Warriors offense in what we see? We've seen them do this round after round after round. Might actually be undervalued. How good is this Warriors offense, Sherrod? Well, it's their offensive system, right? And it is a read and react system. And shout out to my boy, Coach Thorpe at True Hoop. He calls it the Cuisinart. Um, those of you that know, Cuisinart is the brand that makes a food processor. Food processor is really what Coach is talking about, right? Everyone knows what a food processor is. You throw an onion in there, you cover the top, you hit that button, and the the little the blade starts spinning. The onions pieces start going crazy all over the place, right? That is the Warriors' offense. Uh, legendary coach Hubie Brown says this: said this. We set screens for one reason to make the defense think, right? And this is what you want to do. You're trying to create matchups for yourself on offense all over the floor, and when there is constant motion, not just by one or two players, but by everybody. That causes the defense to doubt what they're supposed to do. And doubt is all you need. These are the best players in the world. If Stephen Curry or Clay Thompson or Draymond Green or whomever has you thinking about something instead of reacting for half a second, toast. You're cooked, right? Because you don't know where you're supposed to be. And now we've got you in, an, in, an, in a disadvantaged situation, advantageous for us if we are the offense. And it is a beautiful thing to watch. It is in the playoffs, you know, what most fans see is, the predatory nature in which offenses hunt defenses. What I mean by that is that most offenses typically run one, maybe two actions, right? A high ball screen, high pick and roll. And the goal is to get the worst defender on that team switched onto your best offensive player. And by the way, that works very effectively. We see it. But when you're a defense and you know that's the play they're running, ultimately you can figure out how to stop that, right? Because it's like, okay, they're just trying to hunt and go one-on-one. Sometimes they'll score, sometimes they won't, whatever. But if there is constant motion and all five players on the floor are a live threat, well, as a defense, as, as, a, as, a, as a team playing defense, you're just like, crap. What? And that's what the Warriors do. They put you into conflict. 
right? Where you're like, oh, wait, are we supposed to switch this? Are we not? Are we, is it a ghost screen? Is it a, it, and again, all that, that half a second when you're thinking, too late, right? Too late. You're already cooked. And now, the, again, Warriors are in an advantageous situation. And they're always got three on twos, four on threes going the other direction. And the other piece, of course, which makes this uh, system so effective for them is the threat of their elite shooting with Steph, Clay, mm-hmm. Jordan Poole, because so many eyeballs are focused on Steph that it's like, oh, crap, what's he doing? Okay, well, now you're not worried behind the play. And you know Draymond loves going downhill four on three. We get, we getting a layup or we getting a dunk or a wide open three every single time. And that's a lot of that's a lot of what you see in their offense. Even if you looked at that comeback they had, I believe that was in game two against the uh, against the Mavericks. A lot of that wasn't even three point shooting. A lot of it was back up, moving, getting easy layups. Kevon Looney getting scores inside. So you're just seeing they're getting easy shots and then elite shooting from the outside, like Gerard said. Um, and it's just a great off. I love watching this offense. I don't like. I almost think that we we've been watching this so much great and so much of the focus. Gerard has always been on Steph and Clay. And KD when he was there through the run, but it's like the beauty is in the motion, man. And it's 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 so much, it's so great to see that. Speaking of this whole run, when you look back at the Warriors over this, now we're talking about going back to 2013, 2014, an eight, nine-year run period. The word dynasty gets thrown around a lot, Gerard, and stuff like this. And you've heard the Warriors talk about how they've always wanted to be the sort of Spurs model. Mm-hmm. Uh, of things Spurs who won five championships in 15 years this is a team that look is looking like that because they've already won uh they've already won three mm-hmm. and there's possibility they could win more what, what do you what do you think this is underappreciated what they've been doing I know you're somebody who thought there was a ton of value and I think you've been proven to be right there was a ton of value in the fact that they had the hand injury to uh, Steph Curry and Clay Thompson's injuries, which rested them. They did not play as many minutes. I think that's taking away from some people the dynastic nature or value around us. But what do you think about this run? I, we think they're on the precipice of going to the finals again. We do not think Mavericks are coming back. But what do you think about this run? Even if they don't win, just to make it to another finals. Yeah, I mean, again, we this culture and you know the rings nonsense and, and all of that, You only it's like the, the way that – and again, a lot of that is the way certain media shows that we rail against on this program, two things. It's always about who won. doesn't matter. Everybody else lost, second place loser, all that stuff. We talk about it all the time, Dexter. Winning in this league is hard. Give credit to teams that make it to the Final Four. If you make it to the Conference Finals, that is a hell of an accomplishment. The vast majority of NBA players will never play in an NBA Finals or Conference Finals. Excuse me. Don't let LeBron and Steph and Katie and these guys fool you into thinking, oh, everybody makes No, no. The elite guys make it. Everybody else? No. And, and even if you are elite, Chris Paul's played in what? Two conference finals in his entire career. Two. As, and you're going to say Chris Paul's not a winner or a winning player? Like, no, it's just hard to do it, and you need luck. And what the Warriors are doing, and again, the Spurs are a great model because, you know, Tim Duncan, you know, in many ways is Steph-like in that regard, right? It's not about the accolades and the individual stuff. You know, it's about how do we win as much as possible. And Dexter, you hit the nail on the head, and I said this before. The season that Steph broke his hand and then last year was huge for them because one of the things that breaks up dynastic teams, of course, is age, attrition, and just injuries, right? Playing that type of basketball October into late June, year after year after year after year after year, wears on you physically. It just does. That's ultimately what took the Celtics down, right? Yes, as much as the Pistons finally slayed the Giant, Celtics were gassed by that point, right? Notice, 
Once they they never got back to that level again, right? Same with the Magic Johnson Lakers. What you just cannot do this repeatedly. It is too difficult, right? So those two years where they did not have any any playoff success last year, they did they made the playing game, but they got beat by the Grizzlies. That's basically two summers off. That's rest, right? And you saw that this season. They came out. They were looking like the best team in the league until some injuries in midseason, uh, you know, hurt them. But it was huge. And again, that continuity, that know how to win, that that that's that's worth something. It isn't. There's no stat for it, right? We don't have a we don't have a value to assign to it. But that ability to know that well, we've been here before. We know we know all these things. The the amount of cameras isn't going to freak us out in the NBA finals because we've seen that before. This is huge. And the idea is Dexter to give yourself as an organization as many bites at the apple as possible and allow luck a chance, right? Yep. Because you have to be very good and you need to be you need some luck to go your way to win titles. But if your team is shit and your franchise is shit, you can't even give luck a chance because you're not good enough. You got to be <laughs> right. good enough to give luck a chance. Yeah, and and they have and they've done things. And I think the the last point we'll hit on there, we it's kind of ties into the previous two topics we talked about, the adaptability of the offense and the appreciation of what they've done combined with the rest that they were able to get and plug and play. You look at um, the young talent on this team, right? And specifically one guy I know you want to talk about was Andrew Wiggins. Mm -hmm. Andrew Wiggins is a guy who was looked at as a bust as a number one pick because he didn't live up to number one pick potential. And the Warriors, they lose KD. They do sign and trade with D'Angelo Russell. Russell's not a fit there in Golden State. They get him to Minnesota. They get Andrew Wiggins which is looking like a very good trade. And Andrew Wiggins, who knew, Gerard? Now he's in a culture, using that word again, now he's in a culture where everybody's about winning. There's accountability that you know is coming from Steve Kerr, from Draymond, from Steph, from Clay. And Andrew Wiggins is looking like that perfect three man that's right there. Look at how Andrew Wiggins is playing in the series, the defense, the offense. Andrew Wiggins is just one. You look at the young players. You were bringing up talking about Looney with us this week and what mm-hmm. he can do. You look at Kuminga and Moody have gotten times at different points in the playoffs and how they could come in. I ask all that to say, with these young guys, including Wiggins, whether they extend them after next year, does this extend their title window? Because they're getting guys that come coming here, plug and play, and they're getting that experience. This would extend your title window, right, Gerard? That's the goal. That, that that is that is Joe Lacob's goal. If you guys remember that New York Times uh, feature piece that 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 was on the Warriors and Lacob was uh, quoted extensively. Remember he he said the comment, "We are light years ahead of every other organization," right? And that became a joke. Everybody's like, "Ah, you lost light years." I thought, "No, no, no," but in many ways they are light years, right? In this regard, having Kaminga and Moody, and now again, you need some luck, right? The Steph broken hand and the poor and the, and and the, the the two poor years got them early draft picks, right? That got them Wiseman, right? Kaminga, Moody. Now, do all those players hit and work out? I don't know. Maybe they do. Maybe they don't. But it doesn't matter because we've seen enough flashes of brilliance to say, oh, these are some guys that now, because normally if we do what we do, we're picking in the in the late twenties or we're picking thirtieth, which means we have no chance to get those type of elite talents. You know, we got them now, and you add them to a team like with Steph, Clay, Draymond, and the infrastructure in Golden State. And yeah, that's your goal. Now we can extend our title window, right? And that is that is their hope that these guys hit and they learn from the Masters. Um, you mentioned Wiggins. You know, of course, Wiggins drafted number one. Everyone expected him to be a franchise raiser. That's what we expect number one picks to do. That is the expectation. Now, 
Minnesota, as we know, is a dumpster fire of a franchise and organization, right? No accountability. Ain't nobody trying to win over there. Like, I mean, now it's going to change with Alex Rodriguez, new ownership and all that. And they got some new stuff going on now with Ant Edwards and their different direction. But when Wiggins was there, terrible. I mean, in the five and a half seasons he was there, they made the playoff one time. And that was with Jimmy Butler. And we know why and how that started and ended. Okay. Wiggins is a reason Wiggins was picked number one. Because the raw tools and talent are there. He is an explosive athlete. He's a big wing. He has all the tools that would say, man, this guy, when he was drafted, everyone thought he would be the apex predator wing we see that are dominating the league now, right? That's that because his profile suggests that. Well, maybe the motor wasn't there. Maybe he didn't have the requisite want to, part of it. Who knows? He takes the skills don't go away, though. The raw tools don't go away. He now moves that to your point, Dexter, to a culture that says, hey, man, I don't need you to be the number one option and get 35 points a night. No, 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 no. We got Steph. We got Clay. We got we don't need you to do none of that. Here's what we need you to do. When you play in our offense, you move, you read and react, cut to the basket. Right. When you are wide open because you will be wide open because of all the attention, Steph, Clay, Jordan Poole get shoot that three with confidence. On defense, we want you guarding the other team's best wing player because we know you can do that. Got that. Check. And when we rebound the ball, get out and run and use your athleticism. Crash the boards. Get those tip-in put-back dunks. Guess what? He can do all those things, right? And he's not the man, right? And he had his best playoff game the other night, game three, where he had 20-something and 11 boards. I mean, an excellent defense. That Listen. He doing because in many ways, Dexter, what we're saying is he's an overqualified number four. That's what he is, right? Like he's the fourth most important person on this team, but he's overqualified for that role because of his skills. Yeah, but guess what? That's perfect for this team. And now Mm -hmm. he might wind up getting himself a championship. And what we're gonna say about Andrew Wiggins now? Champion if they win. Yeah, because you know, rings culture, that ring changes everything. And I'm not even saying that the ring changes the thing for Andrew Wiggins. I know it's not what you're saying either, but how he's played, I've been very impressed with how he's played. And I'm being honest, not just this year. It was towards the end of last year when I could see him finally figuring it out in the offense, in the rotation. I could see it working for them, and it's obviously working well. He's so versatile. He's like a more versatile Harrison Barnes. Barnes, if you go back to He's the a first, better version of Harrison Barnes. Harrison Barnes, yeah. If you go back and look at their first championship, and he's fitting that role perfectly. Again, folks. If you believe in your culture, Gerard is always preaching this. You believe in what you can do. You can get things out of players that some other whack organization <laughs> didn't tap out. Tap out, right? Because we always do this. We we blame the player a lot of the times. Oh, and to be fair, sometimes it is on. Sometimes the player. it is on the player. Yeah, sometimes on the player. Sometimes the player didn't do it. The organization did whatever happened. It's not like the Miami Heat or Toronto Raptors haven't drafted or acquired players that haven't worked out there. This has happened. The one thing those organizations do well is they move on very quickly when somebody does not fit in the culture. Same thing with the Warriors. Not like it hasn't happened for them, but they move on very quickly. But they identify players that work, and when they don't work, they get enough out of here. Or they identify players that are like, hey, this wasn't working for you over here, but we see how you can work here, as Gerard said. And the rest is history. We'll see. Warriors, looks like they're going right back to the finals. Yeah, man. We We should appreciate this team. We should salute them for what they've done because it's been a pleasure to watch, in my opinion. I feel like 
not even getting all the respect they should, but we should definitely salute what they've done. We'll take a real quick break. When we come back, we'll talk to you about how you can win some money tonight. Celtics <laughs> Heat. And we'll see if somebody puts respect on the Miami Heat because, you know, you got fans out there whining about how they haven't gotten any respect. <laughs> all that when we come back on NBA Exchange. Are you looking for a better way to play player props or daily fantasy sports? Well, look no further than Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the leading over under daily fantasy game. Why? Because it's so easy to use and win. You can make your picks in under 30 seconds and win up to 10 times your money in one day. Right now, we have a special offer for our viewers and listeners of the NBA Exchange. All you got to do is sign up now and use the promo code NBAEX. Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Yep. That's right. They'll match your first deposit up to $100. So join the over 150,000 others who found a better way to play. And download the Prize Picks app today. That's right. Use that Prize Picks code NBAEX. Get your first deposit matched up to $100. Um, people are looking to win money, Gerard. They're looking to do that in this uh, Celtics. Heat game five tonight is a big one. I love listen, this is a big game five. I love this. I love the situation we had the other night with Celtics down 2-1. They win this. Huge game five. If the Celtics are going to win this series, they're going to obviously have to win a game on the road. This is going to have to happen. There's no doubt about that. Tonight's game, five. Celtics, two-point favorites right now. It's the time of us recording this. Heat plus 110. Gerard, how are you betting this? Are you touching the line? Are you staying away? How, how are you betting this one? I mean, I'm kind of staying away, man, because it's basically a pick em game is what they're telling us, right? I mean, a basket is, 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 what, is how they see this in plus 110, right? That's basically one-to-one odds, almost even. I mean, it, it just, man, we know in a 2-2 series, the winner of game five goes on to win the series something like 90-something percent of the time, right? And that's because you now have two chances to win one game where the other team has to win two in a row. Mm-hmm. I don't think either of these teams has lost two games under on the postseason, have they? They have not. <laughs> so do we stay on that trend tonight and say at home in game five, Miami goes up three, two. And then for those of you that picked the Celtics to win the series, as I did, well, now they got to win two straight, including a game seven on the road in Miami. Now they've proven they can win in Miami. They've, they've done it already, but you know, Winning a game seven on the road, that is tough. Though, we did see the Dallas Mavericks shellack the Phoenix Suns, the best team all season on the road in a game seven. Now, given the kind of players Miami Heat have, I don't think Boston's going to shellack them in that manner, right? I think they're going to they're gonna fight way harder and tougher than the Suns, who seemingly laid down very early in that game. Uh, I want to look at player props first. Um, you know, look for Jimmy Butler to have a bounce back game, 20 plus points for Butler. You know, Bam Adebayo is someone who it's been so hard to bet props with him. So I'm actually going to stay away from that. Uh, Tyler Hero's playing tonight, I know, but with the growing injury, that makes me nervous. Max Truce, I like him to two, two plus threes tonight. Uh, Victor Oladipo quietly has been a, an important player for this for the Heat in this series, and I wonder how much run, how much more run does Eric Spolster give him? Uh, so look for Oladipo fifteen plus points tonight. Uh, Kyle Lowry also uh, one plus threes. That's just something I'm looking at on the Miami Heat player side. On the Celtics, uh, Robert Williams has been a menace, and he's been so so good. Robert Williams 
two plus blocks. See what we got there. Uh, Tatum and Brown both twenty plus points. Uh, so if you if you're feeling you know sort of uh, frisky, put that into a three team parlay. Al Horford, um, as he hit you know one or more threes tonight. Uh, maybe take a look at that as well. Again, as far as the game, man, I I just it, it, it's honestly, Dexter, I don't know how to call this one. This series has been so interesting. I do know this: if the Heat want to win this series. I feel like they better win tonight because yeah. if the Celtics go up three, two, I don't know that back in Miami for a game six, not again, not that the heat can't win on the road. I just don't know that again, because the reason why I only picked the Celtics and I did as well, they have more options and more ways to beat you, right? Like the, just the way that their team is, is structured. There's just more ways in which they can beat you. And for the heat, they just Jimmy. I know what I mean. I think I'm gonna know what I'm gonna get from Jimmy for the most part. But like Bam's too inconsistent. You know, Hero's got the growing injury. Kyle Lowry's played better, but he's you know. I just I don't know who I can count on besides Jimmy to guarantee me to get buckets. And we know about Miami's offense how it struggles. And now that the Celtics know we got to get up into them, defend early. You know, I, I I think it'll be again Boston's defense is it's a menace. Yeah, I, I'm with you on this. I'm staying away from the line on this too or betting anybody. My gut tells me Boston gets this done tonight, but I don't love it. Um, I do think Miami, who's also responded very well after losses, does that here at home. My concern is the same as Gerard. It's the inconsistency, right, in their offense. Now, you can go into all the stuff you want, and we can listen to Brian Fonseca and the Heat Nation talk about, oh, we're not respected, and nobody respects us, and blah, 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 and we're doing all this stuff. Look, the facts are the facts, man. What Gerard said is right. The Heat offense has been inconsistent. You can't trust Tyler Hero. He's been – some games he's been good, doesn't get to the rack enough. Bam out of bio. I mean, the game three performance is an outlier right now. We haven't seen that again from him. I'd like to see more. You know, some of y'all out there believe he could be Kevin Garnett 2.0. <laughs> I don't believe that. Um, I, I, I just I, – I can't. So for even for those players, even if you just take Bam, Hero – I'm not saying I don't think the Heat can't play can play well tonight. I think they can. Um, I just don't trust them. Their offense is just too consistent. Now I trust more of Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum and what they can do um, and how their offense has been playing. Now they don't have the depth the Heat have, so that's why I like some of the props that Gerard mentioned because I think Eric Spoelstra might be keen on playing a little more Victor Oladipo if Hero doesn't have it right. If Struess doesn't hit some shots, you might see a lot more Victor Oladipo. He's played well in the minutes he's had. He's looked good. Maybe look at him, his numbers, his props. I'm looking at some props right here as we talk. Some of the ones I like in terms of points, I like Al Horford over 10 points in this game. Uh, you can get some decent odds on him. I would tell everybody Robert Williams has clearly been an impact. Gerard talked about him in terms of blocks, but I also would look at him in terms of rebounds. I got him the other night easily over seven and a half rebounds. He's a rebound-eating machine. But you got to watch for him with the injuries. So that's the other thing that concerns me. You won't see too many great odds on, on there with that. Look, Tatum's been cooking. He had the one-off game and came three. The line for most places with him right now is 28 and a half points. I, he's like Luca right now. I love his scoring ability, and to get there, I'd go over in that. I would play the prop games in this. See what you can get in the three. Role players usually shoot good at home, so maybe you get – over two and a half threes from Tyler Hero. That might be something you might want to look at um, there. Bam, I'd stay away from. I trust Jimmy Butler. That's the one player I bet on in the heat. I trust him in a game where he knows he has to win, although Butler did not look good the other night. 
and we don't know how bad his injury is, but I trust Jimmy Butler. If you're going to bet on the Heat or somebody on there, give me Jim, Jimmy Butler. I'm looking at where he is in terms of points right now. Uh, I'm pulling it up. Jimmy Butler, what do we have for him? Jimmy Butler, that's total rebounds. Sorry, not looking at triple doubles. Jimmy Butler in total points is 24 and a half. Okay, folks, 24 and a half for total points with Jimmy Butler. That's a number I like. I feel pretty good about that. That'll show up. Obviously, there's a little bit of risk there with the injury. So that's probably the odds at minus 120 for that. But look at those. I'd say stay with props. This is a picking game. It's a swing game. I think the odds makers know exactly how pivotal it is as Gerard is talking about. But I'm with Gerard. I play the props here. Also lets you enjoy the game a little mm-hmm. bit better. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But play the props. Should you trust all the Heat players? Probably not. Should you trust some of the Celtics players? I think of some of these fringe props, Horford, Grant, mm-hmm. uh, Grant Williams even too. Mm-hmm. Look at him. Mm-hmm. Um, Robert Williams, I really trust in terms of rebounds or getting blocks in this game or even going for a Robert Williams double-double. That might not be a bad look there. Play the props. I think that's the safe way. But uh, we'll see if the Celtics or Heat win. I do think this is one of these series where you guys, who wins this game five, probably will win it. Now, I would love to see if the Heat win this uh, or the Celtics win this, what the pressure is on the Heat going back up to Boston mm-hmm. for game six. And do we get a big-time performance from Jimmy or somebody? I wouldn't mind seeing that. Would I like to see this go seven? Absolutely. We need <laughs> We need one. We need one. The Warriors want to see it go seven, too. They need, <laughs> well, to, yeah. wrap up. They need to handle their business first, but they so want to see it go That's seven. the thing. If you're Miami or Boston, you want this game bad because you want to try to get a chance to wrap this in six because the Warriors are likely going to end this in five, and you don't want to give them any more rest than they're going to get. Yep. Final start on June 2nd. All right, that's going to do it for this edition of the NBA Exchange. It's my man, Gerard Hector. Check out his work on True Hoop. Uh, Bring it in tomorrow on Friday. They'll be doing that again with Coach Thorpe and Henry Abbott. Uh, Also check him out on 7 for this podcast as well. You can check me out on the recent edition we did of the Ain't Hard Sell podcast, where if you want to see Brian Fonseca angry, Woo! Please check that out. He came for all of us. He's like f all of us. Gerard, he, came, he, he was wilding. He was wilding. He is wild. But you know, you know that's the energy he brings. You know, you know how that goes. All right, that is Gerard Hector. I'm Dexter Henry. Uh, everybody, be well. We do not have to do thoughts and prayers. What we should be asking for is policy and change. That is what we need. That is really what we need out here in that. And that's the message I just want to leave everybody on. Everybody be safe, be healthy, be well. Until next time, y'all. Peace.